0: So last week we studied uh, chapter 21 of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So today we'll come to the 22nd and final chapter. We've been going from the Gospel of John all the way through the book of Revelation now for over five years. So five years of Sunday. So it's taken us this long to get here to the end. So you can open up your Bibles there. We saw last week that there will be in the future a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away it says in revelation chapter 21 now when we say that the first heaven will pass away we don't don't get confused with this because this word heaven is a greek word that refers to the atmosphere that is above that part of the, the sky around us where the birds fly and the airplanes fly. But the point is is that one day, all that you and me now see with our eyes, you know, as it relates to this earth on which we now dwell, according to the word of God, according to the book of Revelation, all of this will pass away and someday become new. We also saw last week that there will be a new city that comes down from God in heaven, and the city is called the New Jerusalem. And this will be the dwelling place, the Bible says, of those whose names are found written in the Lamb's book of life. This is those that have been born again of the Spirit, as the Bible describes. Um, Those that do not love this world, nor the things in this world, those that have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Those that persevere in the faith till the end. Okay, that's what, you know, you'll see a lot of bumper stickers out there, t-shirts that people wear that say not of this world. But the Bible, Jesus really, through the gospel of John, in the gospel of John, he calls us to be not of this world. He calls us to be set apart, to live In a different way. What is that different way? It's just a life where you've surrendered your life to Him. You've surrendered your heart to Him. Of course, we all get up and we do our daily things. We go to work. We, you know, do this or that through this life. But there's a place within our hearts that God desires to dwell that's in our innermost being. And that's a person that has surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and says, I'm not living. You know, pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. It's not about me anymore. I care about the things of God. I care about His will for my life, and I'm seeking after Him. Okay? So, but these are the things that we talked about last week when we studied chapter 21. And now, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, the Apostle John continues to describe what he sees. And it says there, John says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So let's talk about this for a few moments here, about this pure river of water of life that comes from the throne of God and from the Lamb that John is seeing in this vision, okay? Remember, what we're, what we're talking about now is the New Jerusalem. Last week we studied the New Jerusalem came down out of heaven. The New Jerusalem is what we would call heaven. That's where we're going to dwell for all of eternity. Okay? Um, but this is heaven that John is describing here. Again, the ultimate dwelling place of the redeemed. Um, you see, all throughout the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, we see where water so often represents something beautiful and something powerful throughout scriptures. Okay, We know that, first of all, physical birth involves water, right? A baby develops in the sack of water in the womb of a woman. And when that water sack breaks, a baby comes forth to new life. Water uh, in the Bible also represents the Word of God. Let's mark this page. I'll show you. If you'll mark this page in your Bible and turn and find the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 55. So we're talking about this pure river of water of life that John sees in this vision in the city of the New Jerusalem or in heaven, okay? And I'm just kind of expounding on water and how it's often mentioned and how it's often taught within scriptures. So in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 55, And we're going to start reading down in verse 10. It says in verse 10, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So the Lord God is saying here, through the prophet Isaiah, that his word is active and that it brings forth good things in our lives. Okay, And this is why I take the time and taken all these years to study verse by verse chapter by chapter, through the entire Bible, because I believe in the power of the Word of God, okay? So the Word of God is compared to water here that falls down to the earth in the form of rain or snow in these scriptures, and it waters the earth so that it can bring forth seed that we may be able to eat. The food that the earth produces brings about, of course, our ability to sustain life here on this earth, right? But God's word is compared in this way in that it brings forth something good within us spiritually. You've often heard me say that if you just eat one meal a day, or excuse me, one meal a week, you'll end up very weak, okay? And if you only feed yourself spiritually one time a week, like when we gather like this around the word of God, you end up weak spiritually, and you'll notice it. So it's important that we spend time in the Word of God throughout the week, studying it and in prayer, seeking the Lord, so that we can grow spiritually. You know? So let's look at another example of water representing the Word of God. Let's turn into the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Very famous passages of Scripture here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So it's talking about how Jesus loves us, how Jesus loves the church, right? But he says here in verse 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. So here we see the role of a husband taking the lead, the spiritual lead in a home, right? Loving his wife enough to sit down with her and bring the Word of God to her. And the Word of God has a sanctifying and cleansing effect in our lives. It cleanses us from the inside out, internally, okay? and But a husband is to love his wife in this way, right? Um, He cleanses, you know, he takes time to spend time in the Word of God, right? But the Word of God, as we read in Isaiah, does not return void. It completes a work within us. So the water is, like I said, representative of something very good in the Scripture. The water represents the Word of God, okay? Jesus told the woman at the well, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in John chapter 4, Jesus told the woman at the well that he could give her living water, right? And she said, what are you talking about, right? What what are you saying to me? But Jesus said that he could give her living water. He also said in John chapter 7, he said that he who believes in me, in other words, a person that believes, that places their faith in Jesus Christ, As the Scripture has said, Jesus said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So again, throughout Scripture, we're seeing where water represents the Word of God, and water represents life. And through the Word of God, we can come to know the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised that we could have. Again, we're talking about an internal thing, okay? We know that as we go through this world, we have all kind of problems and troubles in this life, but we're talking about who we are internally. That's what the scripture speaks of, and that's what the Word of God does in our life. Okay, And we could go on to look at some other scriptures in which uh, water represents in scripture purification and cleansing. Water is used to represent deliverance and rescue. Water is represented in scripture as blessings from God. But we get the point here, right? And back in Revelation chapter 22, we see that John informs us of this pure river of water of life in Revelation 22 that is crystal clear and it flows from God through this city, the new Jerusalem. Life will be pure in heaven. Life will be abundant in heaven. And life will be never-ending. it'll be throughout all eternity. Verse 2 goes on to say, In the middle of its street and on either side of the river, and I'm back in Revelation 22, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. But isn't it amazing that there was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden as well, all the way at the beginning of time, right? That paradise that God had originally intended for mankind to live in. And now at the end of time, as we're looking at Revelation, that's what we're speaking of. We're talking about the end of time as we now know it. We find that there again is going to be a tree of life in heaven, In this city called the New Jerusalem. And the tree is on either side of the river, it says. And its fruit comes forth every month. Right? And by the way, the word healing there in the original Greek is a word that means health giving. Okay? It's where we get our word therapeutic from. And this tree is a picture of eternal health for us, okay? And remember, let me remind you of this one last time, and I've reminded you of this several times as we've gone through Revelation. But we have what we're studying is a lot of symbolism. The book of Revelation is a lot of symbolism. And what we've had to do as we've gone through it is go back to the Old Testament To kind of see, well, what is this talking about? And the people that originally received this letter, the the letter of the revelation that Jesus had his apostle John write to the seven churches. if, If you remember when we studied that way back, right? He had them write it to the seven churches. They knew the scriptures, the scriptures that they had in their day. Of course, they didn't have what we have in our day, but they had the Old Testament scriptures, and they knew those scriptures. So a lot of the symbolism that we're seeing in Revelation, we've had to go back to the Old Testament to kind of compare it and see what's being spoken of here. But keep in mind that John is getting all of this in a vision. It's a revelation that the Apostle John receives from Jesus, and he does the best that he can to write it all down and to describe it to us here. And as I've studied Revelation over the years, I don't get too tripped out on the descriptions as much as I just get the message. I like to just get the message Out of Revelation and how it applies to me, and how to use it in a practical sense in our lives, right? And the message here that we're seeing is: heaven is a wonderful place. It's an amazing place where we're going to be, right? And then verse 3 continues: And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So think about that: no more curse, okay? You see, in Genesis, which we'll be studying next, we're going to start at the beginning of the Bible, uh, not next week, next week's Easter Sunday, we'll do a service for that. But the week after that, we'll go ahead and start in Genesis, Lord willing. But in Genesis, we find that there was the creation of heaven and earth, right? And then in Revelation, we have seen the destruction of heaven and earth and the creation of a new heaven And a new earth. In Genesis, we see the start and the reign of Satan on the earth. And in Revelation chapter 20, we saw the end of Satan as he was cast into the lake of fire. In Genesis, we see the entrance of sin into the world. And in Revelation chapter 21, which we studied last week, we see that sin is banished completely and done away with for all eternity. In Genesis, we see the curse on creation as the result of the disobedience of mankind. We see the curse on creation. And here in Revelation chapter 22, we see that there is no more curse. So death entered in Genesis, and death was done away with in Revelation. Adam met his bride in Genesis, and Jesus will receive his bride, the church, in Revelation. Sorrow came upon mankind in the book of Genesis, and sorrow is done away with in the new heaven, in Revelation. In Genesis, man was evicted from the garden, and in Revelation, we see that he's welcomed back into paradise, mankind. You see, God has a plan. God has a plan for this whole earth. And God has a plan for each and every one of us from the beginning till the end. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. It all starts with Jesus and it all ends with Jesus. Okay. And one day we will see the face of our Lord. And by his blood he has redeemed us. And that's the only way we enter into heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ, and I'll talk about that more here shortly. But verse 4 says, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So you see, a person that comes to Christ will not take the mark of the beast that we've studied in Revelation, right? They will not take that mark on their forehead. Instead, we will have the name of the Lord on our foreheads. And this is just symbolic to me of the fact that we belong to him. We're His for all of eternity. Again, He purchased us by His blood, and we will ever be with Him. Verse 5 continues to describe this wonderful place, and it says, There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So that's pretty self-explanatory there, isn't it? You see, today we walk in a darkness of some sort, right? Today we suffer through this life where there's sickness, there's disease, there's death, there's destruction. People betray you. People let us down. I fail. You fail. We all trip up. We all stumble in many ways through this life. But in this darkness, we know that the Word of God... As it says in the book of Psalms, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's what King David said in the book of Psalms. That's what the word of God is. It's a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It helps us through this life to walk through this present time of darkness that we're in, right? And someday, though, this darkness will all be done away with and we will walk in the light of our Savior, And our Lord God, Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You see, I believe in the infallible word of God as it is contained. Here in our Bibles, right? Again, from Genesis through Revelation, we see God's plan unfolding. And we need to live in a manner that indicates that we are serving God and that we're living in obedience to His Holy Word. Jesus came the first time, and Jesus is coming again. And with each passing day, we're getting closer and closer to that period of time, right? Today, most, today on this particular Sunday, most churches are teaching a Palm Sunday message. And I have in years past as well. Today I just felt led to go ahead and finish up Revelation because we were here at the end of it. But on Palm Sunday, it's a day that commemorates the fact that Jesus entered into Jerusalem for the final week of his life. And the people praised him at that time. And the people cried out, Hosanna, as we sung, right? They cried out, Hosanna. But then the people quickly turned on Jesus in a short period of time, a very short period of time. And they went from yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, and waving palm branches and praising Him to yelling, Crucify Him. <laughs> Crucify Him, right? And for the people of the earth today... For all of us, to me, the question remains, what do we do with Jesus? Do we receive Him? Do we praise Him? Do we live a life that praises Him? Or do we crucify Him to ourselves and say, away with you, right? Do we walk in obedience to His Word? Because He said that those that keep His Word are His disciples indeed, right? Or do we just say, I'll live the way we want. I want to live. Okay? But Jesus promises to give us living water. Something, again, within us. He makes us new on the inside. He cleanses us from the inside out. Right? So today we must, as followers of Jesus Christ, continue to live a life of praise. And the way we do this is by keeping the words of the prophecy of this book living in accordance with because see either this is a book written by men therefore it's just like any other book on the shelf in Barnes and Noble or anywhere else or it's the word of god for me it's the word of god because i read it and it changed my life from the inside out i wasn't one who came to the lord in a church i came to the lord in my apartment because I had finally come to a place where I realized I was at the end of me. And I realized that I needed something more than me. So I picked up the Bible and I began to read it. Now for me, I didn't know where to begin to read. Most people would begin at the beginning, but I began at the end. I read the book of Revelation. And on that day, the, the power of the word of God worked in my life. So I believe in the words of the prophecy of this book. Hence the reason that I teach it like this and go verse by verse through it, okay? But John continues in verse 8. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So very important words uttered by this angel here. Worship God. Today, people worship all kinds of things, right? And this angel tells John, Hey, don't worship me. Worship God. And in this book, our Bible, we see the story of God. The story of the God of all creation. The God that the Bible calls the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The God that became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? The God that demonstrated his love toward us. In Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he doesn't ask you to become clean. He he asks you to surrender and to give your lives to him. For me, this is a daily process. The Bible says take up the cross daily and follow after Him because every day I get up, my flesh wants to run the dead. And I want to do things my way, right? But I must surrender on a daily basis to the Lord. Okay, we all must, okay? This gospel message goes forth and it continues to go forth because there's no other way to be saved, okay? This is... The God that we are to worship and the only God that we are to serve. And in verse 10 it says, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. In other words, what's this saying here is, let's not keep this a secret. Let's let it be known. The time is at hand. Make your decision now. Scripture says, if today you hear the voice of the Lord, right? If you hear the the Lord calling you, don't harden your heart. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Now, there's no more time to waste. That's what the Scripture is saying here. Again, we're at the end of Revelation here. We're at the end. It's, It's the final chapter, okay? Verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. See, this is Jesus speaking here. And he was there at the beginning of creation. Okay? He made it all the first time, and now in Revelation we see that He will put it all back into order again, and He will create a new heaven and a new earth, and then there's going to be the heaven, the new Jerusalem where we're going to dwell, where there'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more death, no more destruction. All the stuff we see in this life, right, will be done away with. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And the Bible calls people to receive Jesus today. Okay. And we know from the book of Corinthians, I'm drawing a blank if it's first or second Corinthians, that it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of people that they will not receive the gospel, lest the glorious light of the gospel, it says, shines on them. Okay. Who is referred to in scripture as the God of this age? It's Satan. Okay, it's a little G God. It's not the capital G God. It's the little G God, the one that causes all this sickness and death and destruction and all the things that we see in this life, right? But he blinds the eyes of people so they don't come to the light of the gospel because it's very simplistic when you take time to just go through scriptures, you see the truth about God. It's not what this religion says or that religion says. I don't care what this or that religion says. I want to know what God says. And that's we find that in the Bible, in the Word of God. Okay, so verse 14 says, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. What city? This New Jerusalem we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. Right? And how does one have the right to the tree of life? How does one enter heaven into this place called the New Jerusalem? You enter by, like it says there, doing His commandments. Doing what the Lord wants you to do. Living in the way that He wants you to. To be led by His Spirit and not to be led by your own flesh or the ways of this world, right? How do we find the commandments of the Lord? How do we know what the Lord's will is for our lives? We, we find them in the Word of God. That's the only place we can find them. Again, religion can take certain scriptures and make their own places out of it, right? Make their own buildings and all kinds of stuff out of it. But the Bible, or God, calls us through His Word to study it for ourselves, And to know what his will is, right? So the people that keep his commandments, keep the commandments of the Lord, those are the ones who will enter in. But what about those that do not? Verse 15 says, But outside, in other words, outside of this city, are sorcerers and sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. So the bottom line is is that remaining as one who practices sin will keep a person out of heaven. But repenting and turning to the Lord and seeking the Lord and allowing Him through His Word to do a cleansing process within us, that's the only thing that makes us righteous. We're not self-righteous. We're not righteous because we gather and study a Bible like this. We're righteous because of what Jesus has done. And we put our faith in what He has done. And we receive him into our hearts, and we allow him to do a new work within us. Okay? You see, Jesus is the Savior of the world, period. There is no other Savior. Jesus is the only way. But Jesus is not Lord, for everyone, Not everyone has surrendered their life to him as Lord. They say, yeah, I know he's the Savior. I know he died on the cross. I know about him and I've seen the movies and I've read the books and I've done all that stuff and I know, know who he is, but they've never come to the place where they surrender and say, you are my Lord, Jesus. And what you want from me, that's what I want to do. Okay? So, again... I'm not real big, as I mentioned last week, I'm not real big on preaching hell, fire, and brimstone. But the word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. And when we come upon these scriptures, we can't just shine over them, right, and pass on by. We have to say, hey, this is the truth of the word of God here, right? But you don't need to worry about hellfire fire, and brimstone if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and his gift of love today reaching out to us, right? His love, his gift of love is salvation. But salvation is not forced upon anyone. Salvation is a choice. See, God didn't make us robots. He didn't force human beings to serve him. He gave a choice. From the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, he gave a choice. And to this day, people still have the choice. What will you do with Jesus? Praise him? Hosanna? or yell, crucify him. In other words, away with you. I don't need you in my life. Verse 16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So, look, this salvation is not just for a select few. Okay? This salvation is for those that hear, those that thirst. It says, whoever desires can come. Whoever desires can come. Anyone can come. It's not about church membership, it's not about belonging to this religion or that religion. Right? Are you hearing the Spirit of the Lord calling out to you? Well, if so, then come. Come and like it says, take the water of life freely. Verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Okay? Now, I'm not going to expound on that very much because I think it's very plain and simple. Don't mess with the Word of God. It is what it is, and what it says, it says, and nothing needs to be changed about it. Just read it, and live it, and obey it. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So, a powerful book Indeed, right? The book of Revelation, but also the whole Bible. And again, what do we do with Jesus? What do we do with him this, what we call Palm Sunday? Do we receive him or do we deny him a week from now, right? Or do we completely die to ourselves and receive him for all eternity? Jesus said, and I'm just going to read this to you from Luke chapter 9, And you could turn if you'd like, but I'm reading from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his Father's and of the holy angels. So you see, there was a people that, again, that received Jesus on that Palm Sunday, right? But they didn't stay the course. And we must come to Jesus and we must stay the course. We must desire to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. Again, the only way we do this is through His Word. You know, I always use this example. You would never know me if I never spoke to you. Even if I was in your presence all the time, you really wouldn't know me if I didn't speak words to you. And I believe that we'll never know God unless we hear His Word and read his written word to us. That's how we come to know this God of all creation and what his will is and what his desire is for our lives, okay? But we must come to Jesus. We must stay the course. We must keep his commandments to live in accordance with his word. Then one day we're going to be welcomed back into paradise again, the place that he originally had in mind, the place that he originally intended for mankind to be anyway was in, the, in a garden, in a paradise. What got us out of there? What kept us separated from God? Our own sin. Our willingness to say, I'll do this my way. I can become like God. That was the sin, right? I can become like God. In other words, I can run my own life. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'll do whatever I want to do, right? But that's what keeps us separated from knowing God. It's when we surrender our lives and give our lives to him completely that he then comes in and makes all things new and gives us living water and gives us a whole fresh you know brand new start let's pray heavenly father again we thank you for your holy word lord this love letter that you have written to us that we might know you the god of all creation we thank you god that You did not leave us alone, but you became flesh and dwelt among us. And you walked on this earth, and you lived, and you loved, and you went to the cross, and you hung, bled, and died. And this you all did. You did this all for us, Lord. For the remission of our sin, Lord, that we might come back into a relationship with you. And I just pray, Lord, for each and every one of us here today, Lord, in our own hearts. Lord, myself included that today would be a day of a new beginning, Lord, a day when we would just surrender our hearts to you and begin to walk in what your, what your word calls, Lord, the paths of righteousness where we seek after you and we desire to know you, Lord. Again, you look at our hearts right now, Lord. We can look upon the outward appearance of each other here today, but you look upon our hearts And we pray that by your spirit, you will do a a work within our hearts, Lord, because we know that your word says he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So I pray that you will complete that work in us, Lord, that we would continue to grow in the knowledge of you. Again, we thank you for this time and for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.